What up, y'all? I'm Candace Otis, and you are listening to Hungry and Humble Podcast, a podcast that explores the current lives and different journeys of women in the hospitality industry. Thanks for coming out. This week, we catch up with Janine Lamadou, an executive pastry chef from Staten Island, New York. We explore her roots and childhood memories of food, her various jobs in high-end restaurants, and her opinions on work ethics and different styles in the hospitality industry. Let's get started. Hey! Hey. Yo, yo, yiggity, yo, how's it going? (laughs) How are you doing? Um, We are doing um, pretty well. It's so good to see you. It's good to see you too. Thanks for, thanks for, uh, making the effort i really appreciate it i know you, you busy af so that's why i was like oh maybe maybe she's down i don't know we'll see <laughs> g9 where you at <laughs> i appreciate it now this is and it's also good for me to a chat mm-hmm. nice and actually articulate it too which is going to be fun yeah all right i'm janine lamadu i am 25 years old i was born in staten island new york I'm currently located in Chicago, Illinois, and I am an executive pastry chef. Um, I thought about you the other day because um, um, I thought about, um, well, just like good times because I was talking about Nancy about like college and shit. And like you had a lot to do with a lot of the fun that we had. Um, <laughs> I love fun. Especially because you were like, you guys, let's just like go out and tear shit up. And it'd be like, no. a, it'd be like a Wednesday. <laughs> I can't live life like that. I'm like, El Rancho Burrito again this week? It's like, my boss says no. Girl, we got to study. You're like, I don't care. I got to study too. Let's go. (laughs) I was actually a really good test taker, honestly. You were down. No, it was great. No, you ain't got no problems. You you graduated with honors and shit. Like, you fine. And it's just- Yeah, my body felt like it was- not honored at all well no i say that because i am very grateful to you i think good i'm happy Life's uh, not a little bit fun. well yeah because me and vanessa we were nerds and we didn't have any fun and all we did was study and like go to school and work and study and repeat and we barely got to eat um and when we did it was at el rancho with margarita or taco tuesdays, <laughs> taco tuesdays man it's like can i have my um when the chimichangas? Yes! And I had that smothered and smothered even more. Oh! Like, you know that spicy sauce you're putting on there? Yeah, smother that shit even more. Uh, yeah, and I also want it to go um, so I can just drink it in, like, as a smoothie form. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. Holy moly. That shit was good, and they had the best chips and salt. Damn, I haven't thought about that shit in a hot minute. I know. That shit's oh good. God. It was good. I go back to Providence, truly. I go back. When I go back, I go to El Rancho. I go to Tallulah's. Um, maybe I'll stop at, um, Allie's Donuts, depends on how I feel, and if I have a car, and then I always, yes, and then I always make sure I go to the Anthenaeum, which is the museum, not at the top of Thayer, but in the middle, between Hope and Thayer. Best Mm. library ever. Yes. Smells of old books, and I love it. (laughs) Smells of old books. (laughs) Yo, Providence is nice, though. It's a cute little Yeah. If I were to die anywhere, it'd be problems. So let's dive into being in Staten Island. How's that? Growing up in Staten Island. <laughs> That's a tough one. Growing up in Staten Island, um, we were in a, my, I'm one of four. I'm the third of four siblings. So I have an older sister. Her name is Jessica. Then there's Chris. Then I was born and I have a brother who's 10 years younger than me. His name is Cody. Uh, but we were uh, into sports quite a bit um so I, I played basketball growing up uh soccer for maybe two years softball I played from in fourth grade then I started again in college in high school excuse me but very um yeah I don't really have much to say about Staten Island other than I grew up with my siblings I grew up around my cousins a lot um my parents they worked a lot so when after school we would go to my grandparents house uh, my grandparents on my mom's side, so they would cook us dinner, which was always pleasant. And my grandfather, like he would feed us, like we would we would eat like habits essentially. So we would eat breakfast, we'd come home, we would go to school, eat lunch, go to my grandparents' house, have a stack of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or something waiting for us, eat that, 
Then we'll sit down and have dinner. And dinner with us was like rice and beans, chicken, something. It was like a grandiose. Not that it was grandiose, but it was always just like a full meal. So what about second breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> I would have second breakfast. <laughs> so we were all just like rolling around Staten Island, essentially, like chubsters. But uh, so that's essentially where the love of food comes from, is that it was always just like we would always eat together. Like my siblings and I my dad would make something for us in the morning like it could be cereal on wednesday he would always like make us eggs which was always like a special thing because it was half day at school uh but yeah so my siblings and i or my cousins and i we would always eat around each other which was nice that actually rolls into my um my first official question i should say which is like what is one of your first or and or favorite like memories surrounding food that like really and like changed your whole fucking world <laughs> so um it would definitely be the stacks of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches they were always cut in fours and like they were small triangles so they were like english sandwiches like uh those sandwiches you get at a uh, high tea um but yeah was so that, you get a high tea because i i ain't never had no high tea i've never had high tea <laughs> i can't imagine high tea would be Little squared peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We didn't do the cucumber ones. Those were ridiculous. <laughs> Those um, are ridiculous. <laughs> but besides that, I would say on Sundays, we would go to my grandma on my dad's side. And she would always cook a bunch of meals. And she would pack us with um, leftovers. And we would kind of eat those, too, like during the, throughout the week, which is always nice, too. If I'm not mistaken, didn't you make a dessert based off of peanut butter and jelly? Am I yeah, crazy? so I made that one when I was at Yugen. It was a sourdough ice cream, sourdough custard, and then it was first, the first edition was strawberry caramel, strawberry pieces, and uh, yeast caramel, as well as a strawberry granita. And then the second edition, we did a red wine caramel, yeast caramel as well, uh, Concord grape granita, and then it was the same sourdough custard that was kind of honed in a little bit more and it was better the second time around. Okay, go ahead, yo. All right, I hear you with your custards and your caramels and your granita apple bombs. I see you. Okay. Oh my gosh. That's my pseudonym, by the way. Is granita apple bomb? Granita apple bomb, dude. Granitas are so underrated. Oh, I know. They're like the baller ass shaved ice, yo. Oh my gosh, truly really, though. Dude. They're so fucking good. Um. That's nice to hear, actually. Uh, the last time I made a bomb-ass peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it was probably at my parents' house. Um, Dude, you gotta eat it on Wonder Bread. It has to be sixty-five percent yeah, jelly. Yes! <laughs> oh my god, yes! Because out here, they be trying to, um, they're like, no, the ratio of peanut butter to jelly has to be equal. And I'm like, no! No! Get away with your almond butter. No. Thank you. No! Keep it yourself. No. No, use peanuts, all right? <laughs> They're better and better for the environment. And nobody wants the crunchy peanut butter. Get it no. out. No, okay? Not for the sandwich, at least. Maybe, like, with some apple sandwich. slices, some bullshit. Oh nah, man. God. If I want a PB&J, it's going to be on some white bread. It's going to be some goddamn Welch's jelly and some skippy peanut butter. Truly, though. Man. No nuts. This is good shit. Oh, I see you. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, so... I would love to know more about your timeline because were you interested in like culinary arts when you were in like high school or when did you Always. figure out that like you wanted to like do patients and such? Um, so like when I was, sorry, I'm interrupting your question with my fucking ridiculous always. Um, so no, you're perfect. <laughs> when I would uh, say like maybe 11 to 13 years old, I was like, I want to bake. I want to do all of these cool things. So like I would go on all of those crazy blogs. Um, <clears throat> What was it? Brown Eyed Baker, I think, was the, one of my favorites. I love Smitten Kitchen. She was good. And then there were quite a few, num there were a number of blogs that I liked. I was always watching Food Network, things of that nature. Huge fan of Alton Brown. Huge fan of, what's that show? The Next Food Network star. That one got me hooked, for sure. Oh, no, for sure. But, <laughs> um, but I was just a sucker for watching that. Star. Chops, too. Oh, my gosh. I oh, I know, so man. When they're, like, sweating in their soup. And yeah, like, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, that looks so intense. This so, like, is that, chopped. 
Yeah, so I, for a long time, I was just like baking like red velvet cupcakes and just sharing them with friends and family, doing pies and kind of just doing a lot of home baking. And I liked it a lot. And I liked how it made everyone smile. Like I would bring things to school and everyone was just like super about trying things. They were just like, yeah, we would love to eat it. We would love to eat it. And I think that's more so what got me hooked on it was just seeing how happy food made everybody. No one ever, like, it could have probably been gross, but no one, everyone was just like, oh man, Janine bought something to school, let's just eat it, which was super awesome, and it always just, like, made everyone, like, hover around the bowl that I bought, and chat, <laughs> chat about it for a minute, and everything was just at peace, you know, so I think it was more so just creating that vibe for people for, even if it's five minutes. Yeah, that's what we do what we do. Like, <laughs> damn, that's good, isn't that good, isn't that good, that's really good. That's really good, you know, and that, that was really it. It wasn't anything too crazy. It wasn't like, oh my God, I'm going to be the, the world's best chef or anything of that nature. It was just more so creating that environment where people could just join, like sit down, have a meal, say, wow, that was good, and then go home. That's I love it. it. <laughs> and hey, then- out here. I got you. I got you. Spitting, spitting, spitting rhymes. Um, <laughs> so then did, um, so that's when you decided you wanted to go to culinary school, like for college? Yeah. In, like in middle school and high school? Yeah. And then you, you ended up at Johnson and Wales University where we met? Yes. <laughs> what a lovely establishment. Good times. Good times. <laughs> That's the only um, school you can go to and have a story about a friend grabbing a dead raccoon and <laughs> around with it. Telling you that stories like that don't exist anywhere else. Anywhere else. And if they do, tell your listeners to send them my way. I need <laughs> stories. <laughs> no, I totally forgot about that. Dude, holy moly. What? Oh my gosh. Well, because me and you were, um, this is for the listeners out there that don't know our life story, but um, me and GNN, I call her GNN because I want to, and she lets me. Uh Um, (laughs) Me and GNN were teaching assistants uh, for the culinary arts program at Johnson & Wales in Providence, and that's how we met. Um, And basically, you just like help out with the extracurricular events that they end up um, throwing and like... um, what else did we do? We helped teachers. <laughs> we literally helped um, the instructors. Like, um, if they needed somebody to take over and help them with um, assisting with the class, we were literally a teaching assistant. Um, and we did a lot of other such things. Um, bad things. Bad things. <laughs> um, my record quick and clean. I don't know about you, girl. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> um, so, would you? How would you say your entire experience, I guess, sums up at Johnson & Wales? Would you say it was productive and helped you get where you are? Or? Yes, I think 100% that it helped me get where I was. I think for me, I, I um, used it in my advantage, to my advantage. Uh, I met the, a lot of the right people. I shook a lot of the right hands. I got involved in a lot of the right programs, being like the teaching assistant program. I uh, also worked at Red Sauce as a student assistant, so I was able to just meet the right people who helped me to get where I am today. I met TJ Deladon, who introduced me to Ryan, Brian Mullins, who helped me secure my job at Laverna Den, which is where I went after, <clears throat> excuse me, after Johnston Wales, which was, was super important for me, and which was a goal of mine from maybe sophomore year of college was to get a job at um, Laverna Den just because of the pastry program there was so amazing. And I had a friend when I worked at Boulay, when I interned, excuse me, at Boulay, who told me if I want to learn pastry that I should go to Laverna Den, which is exactly what I did. And it was just, it just put me on the right track for life. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Oh, gosh. Um, All right. Uh, Lock it up. Uh, No, I really, really am. um, I've been like slowly like stalking you in the corner, um, on media, <laughs> not on social media, just like oh, hoping yeah. for the best for you. I was always rooting. I appreciate for you. It. We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Well, it wasn't very easy mentally, but I mean, yeah, it was intense. But I also like let a lot of things eat me up. But mm-hmm. I got to where I want to be, and I am where I want to be currently. And 
again, I have a few goals left that I have to make happen. But again, it's also just, I'm allowing myself to slow down this summer and this year and kind of just reassess where I am and reassess where I want to go and actually navigate how I'm going to get there. So it's, it's good for me too, to actually just yeah. say, it's okay to slow down. It's okay to take a time out. Yeah, it's incredibly important to yeah, I think so. realize. Especially, well, Corona has actually done it for me, so. Yeah. Hashtag thanks, Rona. <laughs> Miss Rona out here wilding out. <laughs> I can't scare her. Um, thanks for the break, Rona. <laughs> um, so you went to Laberna Den. Mm-hmm. I was going to call it Laberna Denny, but I have oh, to say it correctly the first time, Laberna Den. And then um, t- Tell me about your um, the restaurants because there's been so many and they're such a high caliber. Um, <laughs> so I was at La Bernadette for a year and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very intense, but it was also just an amazing experience that also helped to shape me mentally and actually like helped me to understand how a kitchen works, the brigade system of a kitchen, and actually understand what New York City fine like New York City fine dining at that caliber. A restaurant that's been around in Midtown Manhattan for 22 years, how it runs and how it how the system is in place. So essentially, at that restaurant, we're all kind of station chefs, and I worked the Petty Four Station when I began there. I think I stayed on it for three months, but I, I I'm not really sure about the breakdown of how I went. But I was the Petty Four Station when I began. And from there, I went to plating and then from there I went to like um the ganache twill station and then I went to lunch for a little while but a lot of it was just hey you're in charge of all these items make sure we don't 86 it and sometimes it was very intense because say a Saturday service we have 185 people and then we have a lunch service where not everything is available but a good portion of things are available we have 95 people coming in and it varied a lot. So Christmas, I worked one Christmas and there was like maybe 300 people in the dining room. And that was probably the hardest working day of my life. It was so scary. Oh my gosh. Even though like thinking back to it, I get chills, but it just set me up for success and it kind of turned me into a work, a workforce, which I appreciate and give me a to-do list and I can find the most efficient way to break it down and just get it done, which that working situation, that place helped me to, that, it, it made that possible for me. It made it possible for me to look at a list and say, all right, I have four hours to get nine hours of work done. Let's get it done, mm-hmm. which was awesome. I mean, you can't work like that forever. You can't be in a machine forever, but it helped me to do that. Especially because it was right out of school too. Yeah. So it was hungry. really... Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like that's when it's like, you know, because we're technically still green, you know, no matter what, because we're trying to like form all the shit that we learned in, in school. And then also like what we, you know, street smarts versus book smart and, you know, and try to apply it to like our first real restaurant gig. And it's like, I think that's when we're most vulnerable or most like malleable too. Um so I think, um, I, I mean, I know for me personally, like my first gig right out of school or like during, like towards the end of my school, like my internship nearly broke me, but it also helped me figure out what kind of person and what kind of worker and what kind of chef I wanted to be. Oh yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? For me, I worked at Boulay and I got yelled at probably every single day. That was when I was, I think I was 17, 18 at Boulay and they fucking were just like, one of the chefs, he called my knife a spatula. Like it was just, it was, yeah, it was, it was intense, but it's just like, I wasn't, I wasn't ever personally offended because I was just like, you know what, I'm learning. And that's how I took that experience. Um, but after my experience at Boulay, maybe a year after I was lucky enough to meet a gentle soul. Make sure you include that. A gentle soul named Ray McHugh. From Staten Island, New York. Um, the best out. human being. Shout, Shout out, out to oh, Chef Ray McHugh. I've ever been able to meet in my life. He just told me, like, he worked in New York City. He worked in hotels. And he told me he was a workhorse for a long time. And he essentially told me, when you're in New York, 
keep your head down, keep your mouth shut, and fucking do what they tell you. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. And he, he yeah, he kind of said it like that, but I, I know he meant it in the most loving way. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have probably made it my second time around in the kitchens in New York City because he's just like, shut the fuck up and just work because that's what they want you to do. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been mentally prepared to go into a situation where it's just like, we don't fucking care about your name. We don't care where you came from. You're fucking here to work. So, yeah. I think for me, Liberty and they cared about my name. They cared about where I came from and all that. But it wasn't the first thing on my to-do list to go in there and shake everyone's hand and be their best friends. It was to go in there and get what I needed from the restaurant and also give them what they needed. So it was the most give and take relationship <clears throat> that wasn't a personal relationship that I've ever had. Yeah. That makes sense. And then where did you work after Liberta Den? After Liberta Den. After while I was at Liberta Den, um, I kept seeing this dessert on Instagram. It was an egg and it was a very beautiful dish. It was from Smith and the Loyalist. Uh, Smith. It's a sister, it's a sister restaurant. It's one, whatever. But um, I worked <laughs> at Smith and I just had to understand and learn how they created this beautiful dessert that is meringue. It's, it's a frozen meringue with a cured egg with a cured egg, a cured licorice egg in the center. And I, for the life of me, I just kept seeing it on Instagram for the longest time. I was just like, I have to learn how to make that. I have to just understand how they're doing that. And so that's essentially what brought me to Chicago was I needed to just understand that one. Was like, an egg? <laughs> yeah, it was an egg. An egg brought me to Chicago. That was it. Truly. I love that. And then how long were you at Smith? Uh, I think nine months I was at Smith. Nice, nice. And then you, God, I, I know where you, like, I know the cities that you're at, because I told you I've been slowly stalking you in the corner, but I can't remember for the life of me. I know they're all grand, beautiful, wonderful. So I didn't leave, I haven't left Chicago. I haven't left Chicago. Yeah, exactly. I helped open, after Smith, I helped open Yugen, which is a contemporary Japanese restaurant. I was the pastry chef there, uh, opening pastry chef. I created the menu, um, conceptualized it, and it was my baby for sure. Uh, I loved it, and then I left this past New Year's. Nice. Yes, I did. What is it like um, opening a opening a new restaurant and like conceptualizing a fucking menu, dude? <laughs> that menu sounds was very cool. fun to conceptualize because it was just a lot of me speaking from my heart me taking memories and me kind of saying, well, how can I play with this? And the Paco Jet also is the best ice cream machine to kind of just play around with. You can freeze anything and it will whip it into the most luscious whatever. And you can freeze like, a human finger. <laughs> you can, you can. And it'd be the most, it would be the most luscious puree ever. You can. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter uh, be all over that shit. <laughs> literally, oh my gosh. I should try that. I mean, it would take a couple of times, but... So, no, what, to me, that was a great experience. Um, just kind of playing around. We had maybe four months of kind of just testing and seeing how things would go, seeing what works, what didn't. And I got, I got to test a lot of things, which was fun, too, and just speak from my heart, which was also just really fun. Like, I made sure every dessert that came, like, was out was – my favorite was probably the black and white, which is just a take on a black and white cookie. So that's more so where everything came from. It was very New York based. I had the peanut butter and jelly, which also was just something my grandpa made for me and something that everyone's had and someone, something that someone was just like, someone could take and eat and say, wow, I'm transported back to my childhood. I have my favorite dessert, my favorite, excuse me, my favorite fruit is a raspberry. I just did a raspberry, like just all raspberries in different forms, but my, oh, the best dessert that, like, just came to me was just milk and cookies, because Priscilla Martinez, another shout out, um, she used to go into the office, she was a TA with, with me, maybe not you, uh, but she was a TA at Johnson Wales, and she came into the office and was just like, hey, we eat Oreos in milk, like it's cereal, 
flabbergasted. Never tried that. Uh oh, I don't do that shit. I, I was you like, break I, it in half. You lick one side, then you lick the other, and then you keep going, and then you, you crunch them, them together. You when you throw the rest away. Yeah. <laughs> um, eat the one side with cream, and the other one goes to the trash. Um, Unless you but, got double stuff, then you divide it uh, evenly. Double stuff, yes. Um, but she came up with that genius idea, or I think Logan McCoy came up with it, blah, 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 whatever. Um, she introduced me to that and my life changed forever. So I had a dish that was cookie puree, compressed cookie, which just takes on the texture of cookie dough, um, caramelized milk ice cream, buttermilk foam, and then it had a hoicha meringue, um, on the outside of it, which was super awesome, but... Yeah, I mean, to me, it was just great. It was very fun. Would you say that was your favorite recipe to date? My favorite recipe to date. Yes, I think so. Um, or at least one of them. You one of them. Gonna, you ain't got to die it down. <laughs> that up there, yes, that one up there is my one of my favorite. But I think my favorite would be the raspberry because it's just, that's, I mean... It's very simple, but the, the plating of it, it was so beautiful, and it was just very, very nice to plate. And actually, when it was right, it was right. Because, again, when you're working with the Paco and you're doing a bunch of other things, it, it's not right. But when the plating on that one was right, it was just beautiful. I love that. When it's right, it's right. Yes. <laughs> I feel you on that one. I love right, that. <laughs> it right. Um, Logan and run with it. Is there any advice you were given that has helped you in the past? I think you kind of answered that, but if you want to say something different, that's more than, um, you're more than welcome to. Or is there any advice you wish um, you, you were given and that uh, could help you in the future? Thinking about it right now on the spot, I think the only advice I say is just shut up and listen and take what you can from any given situation. Like every situation is not going to be ideal but you can learn from every situation. You just have to like make sure you're, you're open to it and you're accepting information as it's given to you. There are a lot of wise and smart people in the food industry. And I think just paying attention, not only to Instagram, but actually seeing, okay, this person's been around for 20 years. The restaurant's been open for 20 years. I got to understand what's going on here and I got to see what's happening. Okay, this person opened up a restaurant, but it closed three months later. Maybe I don't want to go work for this person. Just being smart and actually like paying attention knowing chefs and knowing their history and understanding what they've done for the food industry is very important. Like so just because someone pops up on your Instagram feed doesn't mean they're these knees, but just make sure you're paying attention and seeing who's out there and who you can learn from because there are a lot of amazing restaurants that have been open for two days and have shuttered, but there are amazing restaurants that you can get your foot into, get your foot into the door of and learn so much that you can take with for life. Yeah, exactly. And the proof is in the pudding. Yeah! <laughs> it is, truly. Oh it's like, I don't know, man. They've been open for like 10 plus years. I mean, apparently they're doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> um, clearly there's something to learn. And they, uh, okay, I lost my job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, no, I was going to say I completely agree with there's always something to learn uh, because it's like um, they might not know. You, you will always learn what to do or what not to do in that yeah, fact, you know what I mean? And it's like, if I feel like if you want to be successful in the way that you deem successful, you know, because uh, it's all subjective, but um, I think there's always something to take away um, from every single situation that you want to, like, um, put yourself in. And you also have to be open to that, um, too. I, I feel like it's not for the the stubborn and the, the egotistical, even though we have plenty of those. <laughs> Um, but the most successful, um, leaders and chefs and cooks and et cetera that I know, like, you know, shut up and listen, <laughs> they, they take that shit away and they say, yes, chef. And they, uh, put away their pride and put away Even their measuring you stick. Like crying, just say yes, chef. Yeah. Yeah. Say yes, chef. And then go like wipe your tears in the walk-in. It's fine. Really? <laughs> go to the fucking walk-in if you're going to fucking cry. We have all done it. I've said this before, but it's I've like. I've never done it. I have cried in the walk. You've never cried in the walk-in. Never cried in the walk-in. 
Yeah. Oh. One day at La Bernadette where I almost cried, but I did not cry. Okay, well, have you had a, a deep heart-to-heart in that walk-in? Have you talked about oh, things yeah. other than food in that walk-in? Because oh, that is yeah. like our own goddamn like break room. <laughs> oh, for sure. I've had heart-to-hearts in the walk-in for sure. I've had plenty of conversation in the walk-in. I've never cried at work though. Oh well, it was because of something different. It wasn't because of. Oh, work. oh, okay. Well, that's okay. That's not crying at work, but like, not. Well, if you at work I've and you cry, it's crying at work. the point where it's like, bro, I need to fucking laugh. My ass is killing me. God damn. I've been ripped to shreds. I've been so broken that like I've cried. <laughs> I've I'm like well no, because it's like because I'm real anxious, yo, and I put I, I wear my heart on my sleeve sometimes and it's like sometimes that shit is not no bueno for this gig, you know. So oh, um there would be one time where, you know, the person screaming at me and then I'm like realizing that I don't fucked up like I don't like there's no coming back from this Candace even though it's like Candace this is just food the world will still turn uh the sun will come up tomorrow okay 21 will be back next week yeah (laughs) you bet your bottom dollar (laughs) the sun will come up tomorrow okay it don't matter it do not matter in that moment you're like this is my living nightmare I'm going to no. die here. I have done the most detrimental thing known in the, in the whole world. And I can't think of a possible situation that I can feel better in this moment. And it just like, you're like in the sunken place. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a few minutes have passed, but it feels like two years. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like that awkward, like, um, like high tension. And you're just like, well, you're just standing there with your metaphorical dick in your hands. And you're like, well, literally. What we gonna do about this one? Like um, chocolate cake. It's like, oh my god. Oh no! <laughs> um, I guess that uh, the this chocolate cake is three seconds overdone. It's like, <laughs> no, Ooh. end of the world. But yeah, it's just food. Although think, we've come. <laughs> I think the best thing I took from Smith was that hey, it might not be plated the same as it was for that table, but it's going to taste the same because it's built very similarly. And I think. That is the best takeaway that, hey, these two dishes that are going to the table, this one table looks the same, but the next two sets going to that one table don't have to be ident- I- exactly identical to that one. And I think it's also realizing, hey, it is just food, and this, these people are going to have this, this experience. They're going to be surrounded by, they're going to be with a loved one, or they're going to be with themselves, or whatever the case may be. They're going to eat it together and say, wow, that's really good. And even if they say, wow, that's really bad, Hey, you gave them something to talk about. You ain't wrong. I guess in that case, it would be like embrace the spontaneity that comes with our gig too. You know what I mean? Like you said, like it might not be exactly from that same table, but that table is going to still get an experience. Like it's not going to be the same exact plating, but it's still like, I still put my, my best foot forward. I should say. I I still really tried. So yeah, no, I'll see you. I'll see you. It's a hard, it's hard out here. Y'all. Um, (laughs) um, I guess that leads into my, uh, next question, which is, um, um, what is your best and worst day at work? <laughs> best day at I think, work? I think you said your worst day already. Oh, um, that was so terrible. It was, I, I just went in and I, I don't even, I don't remember how the day started, but I know um, Thomas Raquel asked me something. He asked me if I was going to package this tarp, how would I build it differently? And I was just, kind of just confused by the question more so just not that I wasn't interested in answering it but it's just like I'm gonna think about it and I'll get back to you and I, for the, I was just busy doing a lot of other things and never got back to him oh my gosh the day just like <laughs> that's all that's the only way I could describe it but it was just like question oh, question and it was like oh my god I don't know the answer and I don't feel like answering and then it just it's horrible the best day at work, I think opening day at Yugen was the best. Um, just because I got to see things go live and things were very nice and it was slow, and, but it was just a very nice to watch a project that you've been working on kind of open. And then my very good friend, Steven Dominguez, and my girlfriend at the time, Lauren, she came to 
eat, which was really, really nice to kind of just like serve people that you care about and serve people who are coming to this new restaurant that you helped open on a project that you, that had been postponed and postponed and postponed to finally actually be able to say, here's the food that we've been working on was really awesome. But I, I don't know if that's the best day, but that's, yeah, it was like a, just a good, yeah, good day for me. You definitely answered the question. That's awesome. I love that. I love the fact that you could um, share all the hard work and, um, and, but with your friends too. You I think know so what too. I mean? Yeah, I had a lot of people come to the restaurant, which is really special to me. Like just people who flew, who were flying to Chicago, flying through Chicago, and were just like, hey, Gene, like we're going to come and try some desserts. And I was, yes, dude, yes. Even when I saw my parents in the dining room, it was just like a chilling moment to actually like be able to bring desserts out for them. It was just like, this is really kind of nice. This is a treat for me. Like, yes, I'm working, but I also get to go out to my parents and articulate the dessert and they could say, Oh wow, that's really cool. I mean, my mom was like, this is probably like kind of nasty, but it was never nasty to me, but she under, she also just understood the memory, which is awesome. That's so nice. That makes my heart so warm. Yes. And my heart warm as well. It's I a was dream. like not the Grinch for, for maybe like three hours. After. <laughs> that's that's the reality. Um, no, I love, um, that's a dream come true of mine of being able to, cause I've been, cause my parents are, Jesus, let me back up. I love them. They're amazing. They've always been supportive of me and they, um, they've always rooted for me and, but they never really had, um, a look into my world. Like they don't really like bougie food. They like good food. Yeah. My parents do. Um, they're like, well, if it tastes good, you know, my dad's like, if it got enough salt on it, you know, like, <laughs> which is fair. Like, yo, I see you. Um, and I think it was the first time when, um, when I graduated Johnson and Wales, they came up uh, for my graduation and I wanted to have my, um, like party, my, my dinner or whatever at Gracie's. Um, and that was the first time that they had, like, they got a glimpse into like my world of mm -hmm. like this is the type of food that I like, or this is just like a glimpse of the type of food that I want to like express to you guys. And like, also like what I'm investing in, what you guys have invested in and like what I want to say to the world. And it wasn't until like fig, like two years later, um, my mom came out for her birthday and my mom and my dad came out for her birthday and we, they vacationed in a weekend in Charleston. They thought they was high baller. It was so cute. Um, they had such a good time. They were strolling the streets and I wasn't giving them a tour and shit. And then we like bawled out at Fig. And um, Chef, cause he's my homie, sent us everything on the menu. And I was like, dad, don't even try ordering. Just give me your mains and, <laughs> and then everything else. <laughs> Chef will bring out, I promise. He was like, okay, yeah, I like this place. Um, <laughs> and they ate it and like the joy um that i saw on their faces was um incomparable like it was it was it was one of those moments where i was incredibly proud for them to see um just something in my world like this is this is what i've been trying to tell y'all like this food changes lives these experiences moves people this is why i do what i do and i know it was equally um, the, the amount of pride that they shared with me, you know what I mean? Like they looked at me and they're like, this is what you do. Like, this is, this is the type of food you cooking every day. And I was like, yeah, mama, like it's hard work. It's good. She's like, Oh my God. Like it was so beautiful to be able to share that with them. And I hope, you know, like I will still be able to share that with them. Like hopefully, you know, eight years, God willing, you know, we still out here, <laughs> you know, when I'm get us all anyway. You know what I mean? Like they can show up to open at night and like be able to say, you know what? My daughter is the head chef. Like she, she's running this place. She's doing yeah, it. I think like to me, it's also just like understanding, Hey, you know, we all, we're all different. We all came from different backgrounds. I can guarantee you Bobby Joe from down the street had grew, grew up, hadn't eaten a cookie with milk. Susie from three doors down, she had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, even if she's a vegan. You know, and I think like, even if she's gluten free, she knows what it tastes like. And I think that to me is what food is all about is like sharing those experiences, like us being together with that. Yeah. It's a universal language, man. We all got to eat. Exactly. You know, I think that's important.
Um, this is on a lighter note. <laughs> um, and this is a question that I ask everybody. But donut, bagel, or Danish? You have to pick one. Bagel. That was easy. <laughs> Wait, well, I thought it was going to be a little more difficult for you because you mm-hmm. fuck with donuts, but tell me why. Ba- ba- I do fuck with donuts, but uh, I can eat a bagel that's three days old, a, bag- a donut that's three days old, trash, a Danish that's four hours old, trash. <laughs> bagel, always. You could just heat it up in the oven. You could freeze it. Fr- frozen donut? Never. Come on. Bagel? And I'll tell you, it has to be from Brooklyn Bagel, which is all over New York. It could be from Black Sea, but those fuckers are too expensive. If I'm in Chicago, I'm not eating a bagel that's not my own. I was going to um, say. Oh, yeah, yeah, and you had a bagel company for how many? Am I, uh, right? I was, uh, yes, it was for, um, what is it called? Farmer's Market, yeah. Lauren and I uh, did bagels out of the Irving Park Farmer's Market, which is really awesome. And hopefully, I'll get something going soon with that. But... It's a project for another time, a conversation for another day. Look at you entrepreneuring and shit. Trying, man, trying. <laughs> but bagel easily done. Easily, dude. Oh my gosh. And I'll tell you, it has to be, it, no, it doesn't have to be an everything bagel, but I would go everything bagel with cream cheese. If I'm going everything bagel with butter, it has to have honey and salt with it. If I'm going not everything bagel, I go an egg bagel with cream cheese. Or I go cream cheese and bacon on a sesame seed bagel. Oh, shit. Woo! That repertoire. I need <laughs> because those suckers stay in my teeth all day. All day? Yo, like weeks later, you're like, damn, I'm finding you now. Literally. It's like, didn't I floss through all of these teeth? <laughs> like, damn. Tell me why. Tell me why. Oh, my God. I knew it was coming. That's all. <laughs> Ain't nothing but a high. Oh my god, that's amazing. Sorry, I'm a little rusty. It's 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 in the morning. I just had a cup of coffee, no water. Oh, that's okay. <clears throat> I'm a little a little rusty. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for that. Um, I want to uh fluff you a little bit and wow. ask you um well because you're amazing um, <laughs> um and i wanted to get your thoughts about how how you felt to be considered for a james beard um i was very shocked i was dri- i don't even remember where i was driving but i was driving through town and my phone was going off and i'm like i can't really text and drive i'm on the highway what's happening what's happening um but i was very shocked i don't know um it's exciting uh it's very cool but yeah, I was just very shocked. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's just, it came out of nowhere to you? Yeah, to me, it came out of nowhere. I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> I had left Yugen at that point. I was just like trying to figure out my place in the world because it was just the first time where I wasn't doing something pastry related. Some, the first point in my life where I was just like, well, I don't really know what's next. And then that came and I was just like, whoa, that's really cool. Like, that's really awesome. And I'm like, um, someone said the phrase to me, don't lose your passion in the peace because right now i'm calling this time like my time of peace because mm-hmm. i'm not doing anything pastry related and i'm not doing what i'm passionate about but and that hit me really hard and it's like all right i gotta get the wheels going again you know like yes this is peace for me right now because i'm not like so so intense but it's also like my time to figure out all right this is what i need to do to get back to that intensity and back to my passion okay. so if ever you're at a place where you don't know what you're doing it's okay say you're at peace and you're going to figure it out and that would be my advice to the people that are listening it's just be at peace but don't lose your passion in the peace like yes we can't really do anything during this coronavirus time but just be at peace with that because you can't change it but don't lose your passion don't lose your peace don't lose your passion during this time remember where it is and remember where it stands but yeah I'm going to stop my soapbox because I can go on. No, that's incredible. It's actually something I needed to hear. (laughs) Ironically enough. I I didn't come up with it. Someone said it to me and it like hit my soul in all the right ways. Don't lose your passion in the peace. So just take that with a grain of salt and just rock and roll. Yeah. No, it's like, that's actually something I needed to hear. (laughs) So I I appreciate that. Hopefully other people will too, especially in these like weird wilding out times. So. 
Hell yeah. Do it. I appreciate that. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yo. Um, <laughs> is uh, We're actually wrapping it up pretty soon here. Um, yeah. If you wanted to say any like last words or anything um, regarding anything about what you're doing now or what you want to do or shout out to anything or whatever, I usually leave the floor open to folk. Um, um, the past few years have just have been very intense, like me just like going, 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 going. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, I need to chill on like life. Yeah. I need to figure out like, like when I went into school, I had this whole game plan and I did my game plan. I got to where I wanted to be, James Beard by 25. Now, I didn't get it, but I got the, um, the nomination. And I was like, all right, take a year, take a lap, see where we're at. Yeah. You know, go from there. It's really important to stop and smell the roses. Especially, girl, you're so young. Shit. I think so, too. And I just got to, like, remember, like, I, I need to get a haircut. Rowan is, like, killing me on that. But it's also just, like, making sure, like, hey, you know what? I don't even have a barber. I don't have, like a go-to anything and I think people I think that is something in my life that I want I desire Mm -hmm. which is nice I think um a lot of the or a lot of my homies um are like like you said like this forced hiatus is really um kind of a weird blessing in disguise in the sense of like making everybody stop and figure out what the fuck they want to keep doing you know what I mean because they're like we're all like not trapped but we're all like so focused on the hustle and bustle of things especially in our industry you know what I mean and like this like Miss Rona was like a way for us to be like hold up do I love this or am I just doing this because this is like a striving goal of mine or whatever or I do love this and I want to keep going before you know like you know it, it it it's definitely presented an opportunity for a lot of folks to stop and smell the roses in that sense and and take a back uh, take a step back for some clarity and for some self-awareness you know I mean it's definitely made me think about a lot of things and it's definitely given me a lot of perspective in the sense of like Cause you know me, I'm like, I'm a hustler and all I've ever wanted to do was cook and yada, yada, yada. And I do have other hobbies and shit, but at the same time, it's definitely given me some perspective on like, you don't just have to be one thing, you know? I think so too. And I think for a long time, it was just like, all I wanted to do was cook and all I wanted to do was cook. And then it was just like, I want to cook, but I don't want to cook in like a toxic work environment. I had to really kind of take a step back and say, Hey, this isn't conducive for my mental health. This isn't conducive for me as a human. Like I like to push but at some point, it's just like, why am I pushing for this person? What is this person giving me? And not every relationship has to be a give and take, but I also can't just be giving, giving, giving and not taking anything for myself. So I've actually been doing a little bit of writing and things of that nature. It's been just really fun, which has been nice. Yeah. I think that's great, honestly. So. I, I do like the hair, though, actually. <laughs> it's too high, but I've been putting it up in like a little bun, which is nice. But usually I keep the sides cut, but again. Like all the only salons are open that are open. It's like, yeah, we can we can do your cut for sixty dollars. I'm like, bitch, what? I'll do my bitch. Yeah, I will. I'm not going to see anybody. I kind of just wanted to like look good for myself. Pay you sixty dollars out of the zero dollars and zero cents I made this week? What? (laughs) No, I have money for myself. I don't have money for you. The zero dollars and the zero cents I made this. I'm gonna get a razor for three dollars at the fucking thrift store and i do that before i let you cut my hair i heard the fuck out of, that was the blackest thing i've heard all day for zero dollars and zero cents <laughs> you know, i'm just like yeah what is i made this week oh uh, that's because <laughs> <laughs> that's me it me girl it me this is me signing off uh thanks again for coming out and listening to this week's episode uh, please follow my social media at Hungry Humble Pod on Twitter and Instagram for future episodes and notifications. You can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts or send feedback to hungryhumblepod at gmail.com if you're really feeling up for it. Um, all of this information will be down below in the description box. Per usual, I have a song dedication each week uh, towards my guests. This week I chose Hey Ya by Kamau. It made me think of G9 because uh, in college where we met, um, the rare and few times I went out, uh, she was basically the leader of the fun. <laughs> and uh, we went karaoke some nights and 
we even did a rendition of Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe uh, together, and it was terrible because we didn't remember any of the words and realized that there was a rapping part involved, and it was a hot mess, but we had fun. Um, but she sang originally uh, before we duetted um, Hey Ya and Sorry Miss Jackson back to back by Outkast um, just because she loved Outkast. <laughs> but Hey Ya uh, was usually her go to karaoke song. She sang it plenty of times. And um, anytime I hear it, I think of her and I heard this um, this cover of the song and it made me um, smile and think of her because it's dope and so is she. So um yeah, this is it. This is uh, Hey Ya by Kamau. I hope you guys like this uh, different interpretation of it because I think it's pretty baller. And this I know for sure What does she really want to But can't stand to see me walk out the door Oh, oh, oh Don't try to fight the feeling Cause the thought alone is killing me right now Yeah Thank God for mom and dad For sticking two together Cause we don't know how How, yeah Yeah. 